630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, man, it was one week ago tonight. The NHL was playing games. The Oilers were about to lose 4-2 to the Jets. The NBA was thinking about playing games. Well, they were in the process of some, and then they called it off. A week ago tomorrow morning, the NHL called it off, putting a pause on their season as we continue to work through the COVID-19 pandemic. You probably heard the announcement earlier today on 6.30, Ched. 22 cases, new cases in the province of Alberta today. The total up to 119. We'll touch on that a little bit more as we move along through Inside Sports. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Happy to be with you. My name is Reed Wilkins. Again, I'm always happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. But we're going to jump to the phone lines right off the bat here tonight with a gentleman who is a product of the Fort Saskatchewan minor hockey system, went to the University of North Dakota, 484 NHL games, won a Stanley Cup. It is Mike Commodore. Mike, you're on with Reed. Good to talk to you again. How have you been? Hey, good, Reed. How are you? Well, I don't even really... I hope you're doing as well as you possibly can in these circumstances. Well, that's, you know, I, I, I always start interviews with saying, how are you doing? And it takes on a bit of a, a different meaning yeah. as, as we work through this. Uh, well, I, I mean, look, uh, you're, you're from the Edmonton area. Obviously, you have family here. Let us know where you are and how you're doing, and, and I hope your family's well as well. Yeah, 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 thank you. Yeah, they're, they're all right. Um, yeah, I'm in Calgary right now. I've been here... Uh, pretty much full-time for a while but uh so i'm here my brother's here and then my parents are in sherwood park so they might be listening uh yeah they they were actually in phoenix up to they cut their like a lot of people uh cut their trip a little short and i think got back probably three four days ago but everybody's good good well and you know what mike one thing dr hinshaw said today is that there have been so many people who have returned from trips who have done exactly what they were told when they got back self-isolated and to put it in sports terms i think we all got to look at dr hinshaw as our coach right now and the coach knows best here for sure yeah no for sure i mean it's it's pretty i mean i'm not a doctor obviously but it's pretty amazing how i was actually i was in mexico miami then mexico and got back on the 10th and i basically just quarantined myself too but yeah it's amazing kind of how fast you know a couple weeks ago this was kind of you know, it was kind of present, but, oh, it's in Italy or it's in Iran. And then, okay, there's a case here, a case there. And then it is crazy when you sit and look at it a little bit on, on how fast uh, this thing moves. And even, I didn't know the number for today. You just said it, like, I was listening while I was waiting to come on. But even in Alberta, I feel like it was like five or six days ago, it was 14 cases. And now it's 122, I think you said. So, yeah, it's important. Like I said, I'm not a doctor, but it's important to, to stay away from crowds for sure and, and, and not go out. And I know some people have to work, and I get that. But, yeah, if you, could, if you have the ability to stay home, definitely stay home. Mike, can you put yourself in current players' shoes and imagine what it be might, might have been like to kind of hear everything the NBA decided on Wednesday and then Thursday morning you get the notice that it's on pause and it doesn't look like hockey's coming back uh, anytime soon. I mean, I know there were lockouts when you played, but I, I don't think that's a, a, a fair comparison to what's going on for players now. No, for sure. I, I mean, my only the only thing I can kind of compare it to is what you just said would be a lockout, but like you just said also, you can't really compare the two. I, I guess it's sort of similar in the way, like before the 04 lockout, 
um, that ended up locking out the whole year. You know, you hear rumblings of it. You know, there's going to be a lockout. The date's coming, and you're like, you know, as I was a young player at the time, and I'm like, wow, that can't really happen. You don't really know what's going on. But, yeah, obviously this is a total, totally different animal. You could still live your life normally waiting for a lockout, um, whereas this is, yeah, it's, it's definitely different for sure. Um, yeah, it, it is. It, it's pretty scary. I, I don't know what, like, I guess they can go home now, right, the NHL players? Yeah, they've been allowed to return to their homes. So even the European players have been told you can go home, just isolate when you go get home. There. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess. And I don't think they can hold, you know, workouts, which is the right call too. So, yeah, I mean, I guess they're they're in the same boat of the rest of us. I guess you just sit around and I guess hopefully you have some kind of home gym or something isolated you can do. And, and yeah, just kind of – it would be tough, though. It would be, be almost like having a never-ending injury. You never know when you're going to come back. You know it's going to end maybe, but you're not sure when. Mike, as someone who won the Stanley Cup, and of course all NHL players have great respect for the, for the Stanley Cup playoffs, for the tournament to win the Stanley Cup – what do you think of all these different proposals? Maybe you expand it to 24 teams. Maybe you allow a couple of extra wildcard teams. Maybe you say the playoffs have to be a best of five. I mean, if we award the Stanley Cup, like, would you be okay with it being modified if it came to that? Or do you think they have to try to have four best of seven rounds and, and kind of keep that intact? Uh, you know what? I'm totally open to it. I wouldn't, like, if they did some kind of modified thing and, you know, the Edmonton Oilers won the Stanley Cup, let's say, and, you know, I wouldn't be putting an asterisk by it, and I, and I don't think it wouldn't bother me at all. It's, you know, somebody asked me about it, you're like, yeah, they won. Look, that was the conditions of that. We had a, you know, once in a hundred year, whatever it is, virus going around. The season got kind of messed up. So, no, I, I would be open to, I think the NHL has said a couple pretty good things. Uh, two things that I noticed anyways was kind of right away when they canceled it down, and then you know they were kind of saying that they were they were open to they were, they were going to open up think outside the box and, and open to different ideas. And then the other part, I just I think I just read it today where uh, Daly came on and said, you know whatever we do, the last thing we want to do is have it so this season affects the next season. So the only like kind of proposals that I've seen are I'd rather have a modified thing. You know hopefully this is done in a couple of months, like the, the virus has run its course, but you know a month or two or whatever. But I would rather see something modified, try and end it as early in the summer as possible rather than, you know, try and get, you know, four round best of seven and, and the season doesn't end till the end of August. I don't, I don't think that's right. Yeah, and there was that proposal floating around as well that they would come back, do a training camp in July, finish the season of the playoffs, take a short break, and then start the next season. And I was like, man, that's almost a year straight of hockey for, for some teams. I don't know. That, that yeah, would be a it, lot. That's the exact one that I saw, too. And when I saw that, I'm like, wait, what? Like, camp in July? Like, yeah, I just don't I don't think that would be a good idea. I think hopefully this runs its course. We can figure something out and hopefully award a, award a Stanley Cup to somebody and then try and get back to normal as quickly as possible with the regular season next year. Mike, speaking of viruses, did, did I'm trying to remember, did you have H1N1 a few years ago while you were playing? Uh, actually, now that you mention it, no, I don't think I did. I think I got tested. I think I was sick and they tested oh, me, okay. but I don't think I had it. Yeah, you scared me there for a second. I was like, well, I remember there I was something about you and getting tested, but I couldn't remember if you were, but you were, you were sick enough then they were worried about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you, I haven't thought about that. I haven't thought about that in a long time. 
can't remember what year that was. Yeah, but I was kind of sick. Yeah, I remember I didn't feel good, and it was taking quite a while, so that they had me tested, but I was A-OK, thankfully. That, that must be pretty terrifying as a player, though, right? If you don't know what it's going to be, and that's your livelihood, and what if some young hotshot gets your spot and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, it would be no fun. Yeah, definitely no fun getting sick, that's for sure. I, I do remember it kind of being like, whoa, this H1N1. I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but I know it's not good, but thankfully things worked out. Mike Commodore joining us tonight on Inside Sports, a former defenseman in the NHL, played for the uh, Flames, Hurricanes, Senators, Blue Jackets, uh, Red Wings, and Lightning, and of course uh, grew up in Fort Saskatchewan. He mentioned he's got family here in Shore Park. As uh, as we give you some sports content uh, to get you through the coronavirus outbreak here, <laughs> I, you know, I, I know you, I know you watch as much hockey as you can. It was an interesting. I, I keep talking about it in the past tense. I shouldn't do that. It has been an interesting season for the Oilers. That's on pause. Yeah. Um, they haven't been great five-on-five. Five. The special team's historically good, especially with the power play. You know, what have you seen? And if we were talking about a postseason drive here, what would have been your pluses and minuses for them looking ahead? You know what? For, for the Oilers, from the games that I've seen, and I will admit, I don't see them all, but I pay attention. I've been doing some Calgary radio and stuff too, off and on. So I've been paying more attention this year uh, in a long than in a long time. So for me, the Oilers, whenever tons of our top end talent's unbelievable. My area of question would be their decor from from not not anybody in particular, but you know, I think there's a couple guys there that maybe are playing too much. Where if they had a little bit less responsibility, I think they'd be better. So I think the depth of their decor was always kind of the thing, kind of the thing for me. Uh, I mean, you know, they can score. The goaltending, from what I've seen, has been pretty decent. Um, so that would be the one thing that kind of jumps out at me. Yeah, and I think the the, the worry for me would have been in a seven-game series because then the other team can scout the power play over and over again, right? And if you get that one extra stop a game, that could that could swing the momentum. Yeah, it's. You know, special teams is huge, and but you know you're going to go through dry spells of it, and yeah, when you're that's actually a really good point. You know, if the same penalty kill, you know, keep seeing the power play, seeing the power play, seeing the power play. You know, you'd like to be able to okay, well, our special teams aren't working right now. You know, you'd like to be able to rely on your five on five play a little more, and, and that's what I think the others could be better at. Mike, I, I got to throw a couple more at you, and I almost hate to do this to you, but you you have okay. been on the show before, and you were critical of a of a certain coach in the NHL. Uh, oh yeah, and he yeah. got fired by the Toronto Maple yeah. Leafs earlier this season. That that is that is Mike Babcock. I, I mean, I I don't think you're the you're the type of person that would that would dance on someone's grave or anything like that. But it, it must have been uh, it must have been something for you to see that happen, especially since he's coaching the highest profile team in the league basically and had all those expectations that came along with it. Yeah. Yeah. That was an interesting week for me. I was, I happened to be on Calgary radio then too. So I talked quite a bit about it and um, yeah, you, you know what? I, I've gotten along with almost all my coaches and I respect the coach and, and all that, but that guy I have zero, it's well documented. I have zero respect for Mike Babcock. I think he's a fraud just to put it very lightly and so, yeah, I was pretty happy when he did get canned. Uh, you know, for him, the media media coverage, like, you know, when the camera's on, that's his favorite time of the day. And, you know, if you're a hockey coach, I mean, I, I guess arguably, but at least, you know, being the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs is probably the number one job, especially if you love the media attention. So, 
him getting canned from there, I mean, he'll probably end up getting picked up somewhere else maybe. Obviously, that depends on how much team wants to spend on his salary because he's making a lot of money and he's going to get every dime of that. But, um, yeah, some will probably give him another chance. But after that happened, I, I did my little rant on the radio and I kind of, I'm like, you know what, you know, then, you know, the Bill Peters thing happened and then it kind of spiraled out of control and I kind of took a step back. I'm like, hey, I'm like, I don't want to get sucked into all this other the other stuff i had my beef with with babcock i i, I hate the guy's guts uh, i don't regret anything that i said at all um but i kind of took a step back just to so it was a little crazy there with the coaches for a couple weeks so um yeah it was definitely interesting mike a couple more quick hitters for you on a much lighter note your stanley cup sure. ring wear it or keep yes. it hidden away you know what i wore it after we won right at the beginning of the net, that next season, we did the Western Canadian trip. So I wore it during that trip because my parents hadn't seen it. We were coming up to play the Oilers. I think it was a five-game road trip, and I don't think we won a game. So I remember going home. I'm like, I'm taking this thing off. I'm not wearing this thing anymore. Not the games. And then I didn't have it. It almost got stolen. My house got broken into in Phoenix about five years ago, but they didn't take the ring, which was obviously very nice of them. Then my parent, my mom was there too at the time. She didn't like that. So she grabbed the ring, took it back with her to Sherwood Park and put it in the safety deposit box. And now just about a month ago, I got finally got it refit and I wore it to a game. So I've worn it twice. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, but it makes its round. That's that's pretty cool. And uh, since you're, you're kind of uh, self-quarantined, give us your uh, Netflix movie book or whatever recommendation. Oh, God. Um, well, I've just, you know what, I've been watching so much Netflix. <laughs> no, I kind of, I like movies like Lone Survivor. I like Munich. I kind of like the spy sort of action sort of thing. Okay. And if it could be based on true events, I like that. Other than that, I mean, I got super bad on right now. If you can kind of <laughs> tell my brain, my brain activity is a little bit low. Um, other than that, that's about it. I bought a backgammon board. I think I'm going to learn how to play backgammon. That's my big thing for the next few days. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's a pretty fun game. And, and, and Sean wants to know if, if you've cut your hair. But you cut your hair a long time ago, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It's been, yeah. Well, it's starting to get longer. I'm supposed to go to the barber right now, so I haven't been cutting it. But, no, it's, uh, it's been high and tight for a few years now. <laughs> well, Mike, we, we appreciate you, you, you checking in. And uh, like you said, you got a lot of family and friends in this area, so I hope they were able to tune in tonight. Uh, stay safe, stay smart. I know you will, and I hope we talk to you again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks a lot for having me. That is Mike Commodore checking in on the phone line from Calgary, Edmonton area product with uh, covering off a wide range of topics there. So, yeah, he, I knew there was something with him in H1N1. He was really sick when he was playing and he was tested, but he turned out to be okay. Not a fan of Mike Babcock. He's never made any uh, secrets about that. And, and he said if it came down to that, and it's still a big if at this point, he said if the Stanley Cup tournament had to be modified, that he'd still have full respect for the champion, that you got to realize that we're in a situation where the playoffs might have to change, the length of the series might have to change, the number of teams might have to change, but he would still have full respect for whoever won it. It is 621. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We're going to, as I've been saying all week, we're here for you. I'm here to talk. It's a talk show, 780-496-0063. You just maybe want to chime in on something. you got something sports-related on your mind. Feel free to reach out. Uh, we're pretty open-minded with uh, with whatever you w- you would like to uh, to uh, converse with me about. I-, I know with all the the isolations and the quarantines and the social distancing, uh, I-, I know for me, I'm interacting 
certainly with uh, with way fewer people than I would on a normal day, and that feels a little different sometimes. So if you're feeling that way, it's okay, and I appreciate you listening. And if you just uh, honestly, I, I we had people call in Monday, Kellen. You know, if people just want to call in. We're, you know, I'm, I'm happy to give you a couple minutes of my, of my time for we sure. We are here for while you. While we're on Inside Sports. And we are going to have some pretty cool guests. Mark Kennedy is on the show. Curler from Team Brad Jacobs. He's always an entertaining guest. And uh, a young man from Athabasca by the name of Jay Onright will be on the show between 7 and 7.30. His popular television program is on hiatus. So we'll talk to Jay about that decision and see how he's spending his time. All tonight on Inside Sports. again tonight if you have a request for a song coming back from commercial text it to 7804960063 we prefer something with a guitar from the rock genre that is upbeat and no naughty language near the beginning of the song please though kellen will check them all out 7804960063 deputy commissioner of the nhl bill daly was on the good show on sportsnet with greg brady today he was discussing the variables into building an NHL playoff format if and when play resumes. Our time frame is obviously going to be a very relevant consideration. Fairness and integrity of the schedule is also going to be a, a relevant consideration. It's really finding the right mix and the compromise based on all the circumstances. So that's, that's why kind of speculating at this point for me, it's almost irresponsible. So, um, because I, I think we have to be open to, to anything that might, be work, uh, might work and be fair. All right, so that is Bill Daly, Deputy Commissioner of the National Hockey League. We're going to take a quick timeout for the news. Of course, the latest from Dr. Hinshaw and Premier Kenny. Mark Kennedy, curler. Playoffs at the Briar, very competitive a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I believe he's had to uh, isolate as well because of a recent trip. We'll get his story when we get back. This is Vicarious by Tool. Who requested this one? By Paul. There you go, Paul. 780-496-0063. Ben. 780-496-0063. The number, if you would like to hear, you can text that number. Give us a song you'd like to hear coming back from commercial. We always play the first few seconds of usually some sort of a guitar-heavy song. Indeed. Coming back from break here on Inside Sports. We won't get everybody's in, yeah. but we'll try to get a few in. Quick fun fact we, about that one that I just played. It's seven minutes long, and I've played the whole 20 seconds of it. seven minutes long? The whole song well, is hey, seven long. If the sports pause and cancellations go on, we may need that whole song. Absolutely. No, we won't. We're going to be fine. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Jay Onright's coming up in half an hour. Cam Moon from the play-by-play booth of the Red Deer Rebels is going to join us uh, between 7.30 and 8. The WHL 
OHL, QMJHL, all saying today that's it for the regular season. Maybe we'll be able to have playoffs. An unnamed Ottawa Senators player tested positive for COVID-19. The Senators announced that last night. Okay, well, I'm always happy to have our next guest on the show. It's, uh, well, like, I I guess this applies to every guest. It's usually under much different circumstances, but we're pleased to catch up with Mark Kennedy. Mark, how are you doing? Hey, good, Reed. How are you doing? I was going to introduce you as one of the greatest curlers of all time because you are on pretty much every top ten list that there is, but I know you're modest, so I decided not to do that. Well, thanks. I I appreciate that, although sometimes it's... uh... It's nice to hear someone else tell you how good you are, you know? <laughs> well, 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 So much for the modesty. No, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> well, you, uh, you are pretty good. You, you, you are pretty good. It's funny, uh, after, well, we'll just start here, because why the heck not? After Gushu won the Briar, I, I got a buddy who uh, works over at Global Television, and I've known him almost 20 years, because uh, I started working in Lloyd, and he got hired probably about a year after I did. Yeah. So we, we know each other very well. And he said, "Does this, uh, you know, does this put Gushu in the, in the conversation for one of the best curlers of all time?" And but we we did agree, and I, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here because you play with and against some of these guys. But we kind of agreed that Kevin Martin should be a pretty obvious pick for the best curler of all time. Yeah, well, they did the uh, TSN top ten curlers of all time ranking last year, actually. Right. And, uh, yeah, Kevin Martin was unanimously number one, as he should be. Uh, but it was a pretty unique list and a pretty incredible list of curlers. And Gushu fell on that list as well. And I was lucky enough to be on there. And, yeah, I mean, there's been some curlers over the years that are unmistakably incredible. And uh, they all deserve to be on that list, including Gushu, especially with the way he played last week. Well, yeah, he, he was incredible. And it's funny, too, for, and for some reason, Mark, uh, I don't know if you've heard of a website called YouTube. Yes. You can sort of fall into a pit on YouTube sometimes. I think my kids watch that website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I started watching some curling shots. For One day I looked up the Al Hackner shot that he yeah. made back oh, in the one. 80s. Yeah, and then, and then YouTube has all these old curling Briar finals, incredible shots. So I didn't watch an entire game, obviously, but I started jumping around, and man, it was something seeing the old corn brooms and the curlers whose uh, physiques aren't quite what they are now. It was an interesting trip down memory oh, lane, or even beyond memory lane for me. Oh yeah, and it's sure changed, hasn't it? Did, the days of uh, the days of smoking a cigarette while you're coming out of the hack and stuff, yeah, those have those have passed us by. It's uh, it's really changed and it's just getting better and better. And you know, this briar was the best I've ever seen for just shot making and athleticism and skill and talent. And it was it was amazing to watch, even how much it's changed in the past decade. It's it's pretty incredible. And then um, you know, you've got all these young curlers coming up too, like Matt Dunstone and Brendan Botcher. For these guys to be in their 20s and able to compete at that level, it's uh, it's incredible to watch. I mean, I'm a I'm a curling fan at heart, so I love seeing Canadian curling where it's at right now. So tell me a little bit about the Briar. You're you're playing now for Brad Jacobs with Northern Ontario, uh, seven and four. You were in that bundle of teams that have to go in the the tiebreaker. T- tell me a little bit about the week because obviously it it did not start well, at least win loss wise for you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair statement. I, I think um, it was a tough start. We started one and three, but you know we were saying all along we were actually curling pretty good. The the three losses we had, um, all the skips we played against um, were in the high 90s. 
So sometimes it's just the way the game is, and we were. But we had our backs up against the wall pretty quickly. Um, but you know what? We we responded really well, Reed. We were resilient and we fought right to the bitter end and got ourselves into the playoffs. And um, you know we're one or two shots away from winning that three-four game against Gushu and uh, having a ton of momentum going into the semifinals. So all in all, I think we left that Briar feeling pretty good and uh, proud of our performance. You know, it could have gone the other direction. We could have been out of it by the middle of the week if we were, uh, you know, upset and whining and complaining about it. But we just, it was the cards we were dealt and we did the best we could with it. And I think we actually come out of that week a better team than we were uh, when we went into it. How do you contrast Brad with some of the other skips that you've played with? And I'm not not asking who you like more or who was better, but everybody has a different personality and a different approach to the game and a different approach to handling stressful situations. How do you contrast him to, you know, the Kevin Martins of the world or some other high-end guys you've played with? Yeah, that's a fair question. I was, we were just talking with my coach about that. I think there's something about, you know, you named a couple of them, Kevin Martin, Kevin Cooey. Um, You got to put Brad Gushu up there. Uh, they just have an ability to play their best in the most stressful, difficult times. You know, where, where a lot of guys would, uh, you might get a miss out of them because of the pressure of the situation or the, you know, the, the crowd or whatever it is, you expect some misses. But for some of these guys, they actually play better. And, and Brad Gushu being one of those guys, and Brad Jacobs as well. Like, I, I've been so lucky to play with some of the best skips of all time. But, you know, to raise your level under those stressful conditions um, is what makes you a special athlete and, and we see that in so many sports and, and curling's no different. Mark Kennedy joining us tonight on Inside Sports uh, lives in St. Albert of course uh, long as he, as he mentioned played with uh, Martin played with Cooey played with Jacob so how did it work and, and we know every province is allowed an import now but how did it work being on a Northern Ontario team like did that greatly affect practice time bonding or maybe maybe it didn't tell me how that worked um it, it's actually worked out great reed i mean we uh we had a great season we're we're number one in the world right now um based on points we won five events this year um it's it's actually served us pretty well um you know the three of them are pretty close in sault st marie uh, i flew in a couple times for some training weekends um, but otherwise i've kind of been practicing on my own here for years uh, so it wasn't really any different, and and I think, you know, when we got together for events, we we looked forward to being around each other. We enjoyed each other. We bonded really well, and then when events were done, you know, we we would go our separate ways and um, just trust that each one of us was putting in the work that we needed to, and uh, getting excited to get back together again. So really, it's been it's been a seamless transition to this team and we all get along great and it showed on the ice all year and um you know we're we're pretty disappointed that the season had to come to an end we were looking forward to playing the last two events tell me about the impact in curling what to to what extent does getting along off the ice play you're in a small group it's four guys maybe five yeah you know i've had the botcher guys on a couple times this year and and they've the three of them have known each other since university so that's kind of an interesting connection you've had a few different teams do you have to spend time together uh, away from the from the sheet or how does that factor into it yeah i mean it helps let's put it that way i mean the botcher team for example it, that's one of the things that has made them so competitive is you can tell they respect each other. You can tell they get along. And, and what that means is you play hard for one another. And, 
you know, I, I've been on teams where it's a little bit more business-like and, and you're playing hard, but, you know, maybe not as hard for the guy beside you. You wished you got along a bit better, if that makes any sense. It almost just adds to the team chemistry and adds to the team strength if you all respect and get along really well. And, uh, you know, we've said it's been one of our secret sauce things for our team all year is how well we've gotten along, uh, how well we respect one another, and how, how hard we play for one another. And, you know, at the Briar last week we played, oh, it felt like 50 games, but I think we played 14 or 15 games, had to slog through two tiebreakers, and, uh, you know, a lot of teams may have quit on each other, but we really wanted to play for one another and give it everything we had and, and didn't want to let each other down, and that was one of the reasons we got so close to um, to get into the final. I'm going to bring up a, an ongoing topic. You and I have discussed this. You might even be tired of me bringing it up because we, <laughs> we talk about it on and off the air, and that's the team changes in curling. I'm just going to – there have been a few in the last week. The, the, the one that most people will – it will stand out is is John Morris is going to play second for Kevin Cooey yeah. uh, as uh, Colton Flash is is off team Cooey now. Um, I I always thought Mark I, I always expect more of this after an Olympic cycle as opposed to after a Briar and a and a Scotty's. Like, what's your reaction to some of the moves we've seen here in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I was a, I was a bit surprised with some of them. I agree with you. You expect these changes after an Olympic trials, but I think what's happening for some is, um, you know, I can't speak for the people that made the changes, but you know, a lot of us are getting towards the end of our career, and we don't want to wait if we feel like we can make something better right now. Uh, I had a, a, a mentor of mine. We were texting a bit today, and he said, you know, teams now are they're trading to get to the top of the podium as opposed to training and developing. You know, we, we don't, a lot of teams now don't have the patience to bring a young player along to get him really good if there's another alternative that can come in right away and make a difference. Um, so, but every team is different. Every team has different reasons for making a move. Sometimes teams get a little stale. And, um, and yeah, I've, I've been as surprised as you with all the changes. But, again, we're at that thing in curling where um, the good teams are so good that you're just constantly trying to make your team better. And if that means having to change some personnel, then um, guys are more willing to do it now than ever before. Yeah, well, I, I enjoy watching the Briar, and I thought, and in the week the Briar was on, obviously we still has hockey going on, so I saw bits and pieces of a lot of games. Yeah. But I always was just, man, you know, it, it's you're one what inch. We call a, you're like a secondary fan. I am a you're secondary Curling fan. fan. You're right. I, well, I'm a Mark Kennedy fan first <laughs> and a Curling fan second. <laughs> But I just, I just felt like this is insane for the. Like you could play the Briar twenty times and and maybe have eight different provinces win at least once. Like I really believe it's that close. No, I think that that's fair. I think that's completely legitimate. And I think ten years ago it was maybe three teams that could win it, and now you're at six or seven or eight. Um, and that's what's happening is you you play those events and you. You look at it after and say, man, what could we have done different? How can we get better? And all these great teams are just pushing all the other teams to get better all the time. And that's why you're ending up with these, you know, super elite teams. And, um, yeah, it's just going to keep getting better and keep getting better. I don't know how much better it can get, to be honest with you. I was amazed at the Briar with the level of play that I saw. I was amazed at how hard and how good we had to play to win. Um you know, we used to, Kevin Martin used to talk about this. If we could play 90% as a team, 
in a week, we would usually win the event or at least get to the final and give ourselves a chance. And we were, we were 91% as a team at the Briar, and we were 7-4. and four. Oh, And I had to get through two tiebreakers just to get to the playoffs. So it, that in itself gives you an indication of the level of play. It's really incredible and, and fun to watch. And the crowds, you know, the arena was packed almost every draw. It was just a terrific atmosphere. And, um, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting for curling, and um, it's just going to keep getting better. Okay, so you mentioned the great crowds in Kingston, and obviously in any event in Canada is well attended. But along the lines of isolation and empty buildings, what's the smallest crowd you've ever played a big game in front of? Because some countries don't support the sport like Canada, right? Yeah, that's a good question. I uh, played the world in Switzerland in 2016 in Basel, and our world final might have had... 500 people. No so, but, way. But you know what? That's just the way it is when you go and play in Europe. But I have a better one. We actually played a Grand Slam event in St. John's, Newfoundland back in 2006. Um, but it was the same week that Brad Gushu was at the Olympics in Torino. So while we were out on the ice playing, everyone else was back home watching Brad on TV. So we, we had a the big arena there, Mile One Stadium. I think it's probably eight to ten thousand people, and we had—I think we counted somewhere between twenty and thirty people. Oh my God! To watch the Grand Slam draw, so that one actually stands out for playing in front of empty arena. It's not that much fun. It really isn't. Well, that's that's the thing, and I mean, I, I know before this really escalated, there was talk of NBA, NHL games being played in front of an empty arena. And I asked Rob Brown about that. He goes, "Like, can I?" I said, "Could you imagine skating out for warm-up or opening face-off, and there's no one there? Yeah. Like, he couldn't, he couldn't even fathom it." No, no, that would be, it would be very strange. I mean, uh, the nice thing for them is you would know that you'd have millions of people watching across the country so that might help a little bit but yeah it would be a very strange eerie feeling um yeah but these are unprecedented times so that that might be something that uh, we have to get used to for a little while okay and along those lines you have your own story of travel and self-quarantine do you not i am i am quarantined right now i'm on day three of the 14 day um my family and i were down in phoenix for my oldest daughter's cheerleading competition and uh, we went down before any travel advisories, so we had left last Wednesday. And then on uh, Thursday, the event got cancelled, and that's kind of when everything started to hit the fan. So we had to scramble for a couple days to change flights and get home, which was its own adventure. Um, but we managed to get home on Sunday night safe and sound. And, um, yeah, here we are, homeschooling and... You know, packing up stuff from our junior spiel that got uh, cancelled last week and just trying to adjust to the new normal. Well, and I'm Crazy. glad. And, you know, you mentioned the junior spiel, and that's that's another level of how sad this is. A lot of university, you know, college, amateur, minor hockey, minor curling, whatever, athletes. And this is right the time of the season where it's playoffs, championship tournaments and they're just all of a sudden done. They played their last game without knowing it was going to be their last game. That's, that's really hard for me. It is. It's, it's incredibly sad because I don't think there's anybody that isn't affected by the cancellations in one way or another. You know, somebody's always, especially in sports, you've always got something to look forward to, an event to be a part of, your teammates, and, and now it's done and gone. And uh, so, you know, Nicole and I have been talking that the most important thing here for the next little while is just the mental health of all these young 
athletes and, and everybody, to be honest. You know, so we've we've been spending a few days talking about ways to, you know, keep everyone in good spirits and and just keep uh, positive and trying to go day by day and keeping yourself busy and making sure that the mental health is a priority during these times because yeah it's it's incredibly sad what's happened but but you know what reed we'll all do our part and we'll try to control the spread and um you know we'll come out on the other side of this and everyone will be hopefully in a really good place that's all we can hope for well, Mark, I, I appreciate you checking in. As you know, you're always a welcome guest on the show, and we may bug you a little more often than usual as we uh, as as we get through this. But but thank you so much for coming on tonight. Thanks for sharing, you know, your perspective on the Briar and, and what your family's going through right now. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Reed. Good chatting with you. Stay uh, stay safe and take care, of everyone there at the six thirty chat. Right on. That is uh, one of the good guys, curler Mark Kennedy, checking in tonight on Inside Sports. Back after the break. Mario Speedwagon, keep pushing. That's for Chad. That's for Chad. Thank you, Chad. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. A lot of uh, sports people putting out messages on social media. This is a good one from Toronto Raptors head coach Nick Nurse. I'm here to teach you a new play today, hand washing. You should wash your hands for at least 20 seconds, but let's make it 24. Think of it as a shot clock. But this is one time we don't mind a shot clock violation. Do it when you enter and leave a new place. Do it after social contact, no matter how minimal. And do it anytime you touch your eyes, nose, or mouth. Special thanks to all the medical teams and health authorities who are doing so much to help keep us all safe. Thank you. Remember, wash your hands as long as a shot clock violation. Let's all rise up to stop COVID-19. That is Nick Nurse, head coach of the Toronto Raptors. Starting on Friday, Sportsnet and TSN are going to team up and replay every game from the Raptors championship run last season, every playoff game. It'll start Friday on Sportsnet, and uh, they're going to go back and forth. Orlando in the first round, then the Sixers, then the Bucks, and then Golden State in the final. So from March 20th until April 12th, they're going to play a Raptors playoff game, go through the whole run in order. We got about a minute here for a story from Robert. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Reed, how you doing? Oh, good. Two points. Two points. So my wife knows as little about sports as you know much about it. She has no connection to it at all. She's a designer, right? And she was doing a kid's bedroom here in Edmonton, and she says, hey, uh, you should come over and take a look. And I said, okay. And she says, by the way, the uh, the owner has a really nice office. You should look at it too. And I says, oh, really? I says, what's nice about it? And she says, well, it's got lots of trophies and stuff, so maybe you'd be interested. And I said, trophies? Yeah, what's the family name? You know, thinking it's some, like Mark, you know, some Oilers or something. And she says, I think it's Martin. Oh, no and way. I said, I said, is his first name Kevin? And she says, yeah, I think so. And I say to her, do you realize he's like the Muhammad Ali of curling? And she says, Muhammad Ali? I says, yeah. She says, he's a boxer, right? <laughs> 
That's amazing. So is Kmart the best all time in curling? Absolutely. He's the goat. Yeah, right on. Robert, thanks for that story. That's pretty funny, man. Thanks for sharing. Okay, talk to you soon. That's a good one. <laughs> That's Robert checking in seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Well, get ready for an unpredictable segment. Jay Onright is next. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.